Hi, I'm Ryan Dodgecock, and this is Summit to Talk About, your one-stop podcast for all things hiking, hills, wild camping, and the great outdoors. If you love being in the outdoors, or you're thinking of getting into hiking or wild camping, you've landed in the right place. Check out the back catalogue of episodes from Series 1 and 2, where I chat with some awesome guests who share their stories of adventure in the outdoors, and hopefully you'll be inspired to get outside and start making your own. Before we get stuck in, a big shout out to Hiker. Hiker is the best app for planning your long distance hikes, whether that's a local one day hike or a multi-day backpacking adventure. Hiker now hosts over 12,000 trails worldwide, so there's plenty to tickle your hiking toes. Check out the link in the show notes to download the app and start exploring today. And thank you all for your continued support with the podcast. If you're listening in Spotify or Apple iTunes, please leave a five-star review if you're still enjoying listening. It really helps the podcast to become easier to find for new listeners. And if you'd like to support me further, you can buy me a coffee. Every penny goes towards the overheads of producing the podcast and you'll get a shout out on a future episode. I'll soon be launching a Patreon page, which will give you the chance to support the podcast and in return, you'll get special benefits from shout outs, exclusive stickers, bonus podcast episodes of Summit Else and monthly group video chats. Keep an eye on the social media for more information. Now, unfortunately, due to a technical issue, I've had to delay the episode with Chris and Duncan and their Pennine Way journey. So in this episode, I chat with Luisa Rodriguez, who re-evaluated her life in the city and relocated to Cumbria to be closer to the mountains and to pursue her goal of becoming a mountain leader. The outdoors has also inspired Luisa to start writing poems. So without further ado, I hope you enjoy. Okay, so I'm now joined by Luisa Rodriguez, and uh, Luisa got in touch with me on Instagram, as many people do, and uh, I've been chatting to her for a little while, and I've I've just uh, been searching through her social media and uh, doing my usual stalking before we get to chat to anybody. Um, Luisa is a lover of the outdoors and has uh, catered her life to to, uh, enjoy the outdoors as much as possible, so we're going to delve into that in a little bit more detail. Welcome onto the podcast, first of all, Louisa. Well, thank you very much for having me. It's great to be here. You're very welcome. Now, um, I'm going to go straight back to the beginning, um, as I do with most guests, and I want to find out why you love the outdoors and how that all began. So if you could just tell us your story. How did it all begin? It's it's quite interesting, actually, because somebody asked me recently, they're like, oh, were you outdoorsy as a kid? And I was like, oh, actually, because we did go, used to go... um, caravanning my mum had a caravan and then we did euro camp as a kid so we did do a bit of um camping and caravanning and we used to my my cousins used to have um like my uncles and aunts used to have caravans so we'd all go there's a place we lived in the midlands for a bit or um a place called ferry meadows and actually we my family my mum and dad moved around the country a lot but we'd always come back to ferry meadows because that's where my cousins were and i remember we used to just like run around and like play these me and my cousin had this game called secret hideout which we still can't quite unpick what um that game was about but it kept us entertained for hours it involved generally running around people were chasing us um and yeah and then I did DV, Duke of Edinburgh bronze and silver at school which you know we were told if you don't do this no one's going to employ you and so I remember having right I remember having to look these packs on and we we're staying in the middle of these like it was like muddy and rainy 
And um, at the time, we were just like, oh, why do we have to do this? Um, and then when I look back now, like, I feel really grateful that I got to experience that. Although I did get a bit of a shock when I got to 18. I was like, I've, I've done my DV. And everyone's like, what's that? And I was like, oh, they lied to us. Um, but I didn't really realise at the time. But I look back, it was like they were amazing experiences. So we did like um, the Cheviot Way. We we saw we walked from England to Scotland and there's a sign that says England and Scotland. I remember that was really cool. We did one in the Lake District, Peak District. And then, um, and then yeah, I think... I did my typical late teens, university, 20s, was very much out partying. Um, although, interestingly, when I'd sort of get quite overwhelmed with work or like a bit burnt out, I'd always go and find an outdoor space. I'd turn my phone off for the weekend and I'd go disappear to like the beach or I used to go to Fountains Abbey up in um, North Yorkshire or I'd just go find some beautiful spot. And then I'd always like come back and be like, and actually, my first ever holiday I did on my own, so in my 20s, decided I want to go on holiday. I went on holiday on my own. It was in the Lake District. Oh, wow. Um, yeah, I only really like, remember that the other day. And I was like, sort of, I stayed in Windermere because I didn't didn't know the rest of the Lake District at that point. When, I remember going to Coniston. And um, yeah, and then what happened was I got into um, long distance running, like marathon running and ultra running. Um, started on the roads, progressed to trail. And then loved loved the trail, did quite a few trail runs, um, some rather crazy distances. Um, and then I ended up finding myself doing the Felsman, which is, um, I think it was 61 miles. You end up doing like 12,000, 11,000 11, feet of um, ascent all around the Yorkshire Dales. Um, and it was amazing. It was hard, hard, but amazing. <laughs> yeah, I can imagine. <laughs> um, and then I, I got a job. I, I worked away a lot where I worked for a holiday park company. So I'd find myself in Cornwall one week, then I'd be in Northumberland, and then I'd be in North Wales and Yorkshire Dales and the Ribble Valley and Malvern. And I did that for two and a half years. And uh, while the traveling was hard, I used to love going to those locations. And then I changed jobs and I was working away in cities. And I remember when I started that job, I was like, I hadn't realized how much I had got from, even though you're working and sometimes you'd literally get 10 minutes where you got to go on the beach, but you still got every week I was being in these beautiful outdoor spaces. Like Cornwall's got some incredible beaches. Northumberland's got some incredible beaches. Like the Holiday Park in North Wales, there was two. There's one in by the Minai Straits in Anglesey, and then there's one right by Clamberis. And I used to have this little running route that I'd do that go up to the lake and then around and and like Malvern was was a beautiful location as well, much, much faster, but beautiful. And I didn't realise I was like started working in cities. So I was like, oh. I was like, oh, I'm in city, and I was like, oh. yeah. And then um, lockdown happened, COVID happened, and I was like, I have to be careful when I say this too, but for me, that couldn't have come at a better time because I was really quite burnt out, and I'd changed jobs three months before, and I realised I went into that job burnt out, and essentially it was just from working away so much and when you work away your life kind of becomes your job really because you never know when you're going to be home so it's quite difficult to organize social events on a weekend you're generally pretty knackered from working away all the time so work had kind of consumed me for about three years and I remember the January February March time of 2020 I'd get to the train station like six o'clock in the morning and I'd be like I just need a moment to breathe like I can't keep living at this pace like I'm I'm exhausted like and I was not in a, in a great place really um and I didn't tell anybody at the time I was just kind of like just get on with it you're okay yeah um 
you know, in those times when I'm getting on a train late at night and I just cry because I just was like, I felt I quite, because it wasn't just that, I felt really alone because you're just constantly away. And then lockdown happened and be careful what you wish for because that breathing space I'd, I'd sort of said I wanted then all of a sudden <laughs> came in a very weird way because um, I worked for a restaurant group so I was furloughed. And I just spent a bit of time going, okay, you've been through this pattern where you burn out quite, you know, every so every year, couple of years you get to a burnout point what's the one common factor it's me so what do I need to change to do to live differently because actually I don't think I want to keep living like that and I just sat there I was like where am I happiest where where am I happiest where's the place that brings me to joy and I was like it's the outdoors and I hadn't actually realized until that point what the outdoors did for me yeah or how much of a positive impact it had on me and how it made me feel and I was like, right, okay. And so at that point in lockdown, I was like, and I'd, for quite a long time, I was like, I don't, Leeds doesn't feel like home to me, but it was really easy for work because it was quite central. You don't realise Leeds is quite central for the whole country. Yeah. So I was like, right, okay. So if I want to be outdoors, where do I want to be? So at that point, I'd made a decision. It was either, I either wanted to move to the Lake District or Cornwall because I'd spent a lot of time in Cornwall with my old job. So I was like, Cornwall. So basically it was like ocean or mountains. <laughs> <laughs> two favorite things for me as well uh it's either one or the other you, it's it's so close isn't it to try and pick your favorite out of the two. Oh, it's hard and like cornwall and the lake district are probably <laughs> yeah. like two of the most beautiful parts of england like i've traveled yeah. quite a lot of um england and um yeah really beautiful so i was like okay yeah and then um i started training like I started training with an an ex-army guy and he'd like absolutely beast me like personal training like he'd be he had me running through rivers carrying logs and when I was doing that he he put a part of my training he had me going up and down like a pen again with like a weighted ball in my rucksack it was all a bit mad and then um (laughs) I I, I often say I like a good beasting in in a workout nothing dodgy nothing dodgy just like a good hard (laughs) workout and um and then it was while I was doing that I was reflecting because I work in learning and development of like one of the, some of the times when I've done leadership stuff and it'd been out, we'd sort of gone to a bunkhouse done some outdoor stuff, but we'd have to bring someone external in like an ex um, get like mountain leaders to come in and do some of the outdoorsy stuff. And I remember thinking, Oh, I remember thinking at the time, if I got trained in that, I could do that. And then as I was doing all this mad training with the PT, I was like, I think I want to do my mountain leader training. So then that began, so then I started like, right, I've got to start logging my mountain days, getting yeah. out more. Um, and so that was, yeah, that was, that was 2020. And had I think you had what, much previous experience of mountains at that point? Had you been like walking up, walking in the hills, walking in the mountains much before that, like as a hobby lots. or? No, not lots. I'd done Snowdon. I'd done Snowdon. Um, mm. I'd been to the Lake District. I'd done some, like, I'd done a lot of trail stuff, but not loads of mountain stuff. So I'd yeah. been lot um i've been to yorkshire dales but not so much mountain stuff just sort of more trail although at the time i remember some of the trail runs had done i was like oh they felt like mountains like i remember doing <laughs> coniston lakeland trail marathon i was like oh this has got a lot of ascent to it and say when i did the i mean the felsman did have mountains in because it's got ingleborough and uh penny Gent. no not ingleborough and wernside in it so Wern- yeah it was wernside <laughs> oh god the Felsman. It's like for the first half of the race, it's just like, like ascent, 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 um, and then you get a bit of a, a break from it, and then at the end you get a bit more ascent. And I remember on the, one of the final fails, I was like, oh, no more. 
<laughs> yeah, I hadn't done. <laughs> it sounds like torture. Yeah, it's that type two fun at the time. You're like, oh, this is this is brutal. Why am I doing it? And then afterwards, you're like, two days later, you'll be like, right, what am I going to do next? Um, <laughs> literally, um, there was a time that I did uh, I did a hundred mile race, and I was pretty broken. After I was broken, I'd had like tendonitis in my wrist. I couldn't go down the stairs on my. I was going downstairs on my bum because I was just like a mess. And I remember sort of finishing it, and my friend was like, "Okay, you're gonna have a break now." And literally three days later, she came into the living room and she was like, um, how are you? So like, I've just booked to do a marathon in a month's time. And she was like, I am going to take your bank cards off you because that's ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> I, I like could hardly walk. <laughs> hardly walk. And I was, happy. It was actually, that was the, Lang- it was a Lang- the Langdale marathon, actually, I booked on. But um, as it happened, that marathon was cancelled because I'd been flooding that year. And um, I was actually really glad because I was just still, my body was still really fatigued from it. So, yeah, yeah it is a, it was a bit of, it, it's a bit like a drug. You're like, oh, <laughs> once I've done that, or next? So, so yeah, I hadn't done loads of mountain stuff. It was more just being out on the trails. Like I'd visited all these places and done some, I'd done some fells, but I wouldn't say mountain. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, yeah, then when I decided, I was like, that's it. Just started getting out more and more to to the lakes, um, went to the Brecon Beacons, that was great. And then um, went to the Highlands for the first time last year, which was amazing. Did did the West Highland Way, although it didn't quite go to plan because my plan had been to run it in two days. Oh, wow, okay. Um, and then on the first day at mile 18, I took a bit of a tumble, like grazed on my hands, like I still got a sc- nice scar on my knee actually from from that. And I went over Crunchy. on my ankle. Yeah, yeah. Literally, I look at it and I go, oh, yeah, that's the West Island way. <laughs> Took a chunk out of me. Um, and then I, I, like, I remember going over my ankle being like, oh, that hurt. Picked myself up again and carried on running to mile 40 and then went over on it again, my ankle again. And I was like, that time, I was like, like I literally like cried out and then laid on the back of these heathers, like in the middle of the highlands on my own. There's no one around. I'm just like, that really hurt. <laughs> um, and I got the Colin, the Colin, the caterpillars came out. They'd been stuck at the bottom of my rucksack for emergencies. Colin, the caterpillar came out. Yeah. Scoff them. <laughs> oh, I was, I was going to throw that one into there as well. What's your favorite trail snack? There we go. Colin, the caterpillars. Well, I have to say, actually, I think it's more, um, a veggie Percy. Veggie oh, okay. Percy pig. Yeah. Right. Um, banana bread. I've got into oh, baking since yeah. I moved to the Lake District. Never been a baker before. <laughs> and and a good sandwich. So I've become quite known for my um, sandwich. So when I did my mountain leader training, um, I stayed with one of the um, one of the, the guys on the course. We were staying in the same B&B. So I was like, oh, shall I make you? So I was make, going back at the B&B and making our like, lunchtime sandwiches every day. And uh, so it was, like, it was like sourdough with a bit of spinach, a bit of goat's cheese, um, one day there was a bit of chorizo. One day there was a bit of smoked salmon and avocado. <laughs> it was like these sandwiches. I'm like, God. I was like, look, you know, part of the joy of being in the mountains is it's all about the food that you get to eat. Yeah. And um, guilt-free food, isn't it? Yeah. So I was like, you got to, you know, because I look forward to that sandwich. I'm sitting there thinking, when you're getting tired, it's like, oh, when I get to the summit, I'm going to enjoy that sandwich. <laughs> and then I've been out with my friends, and I like, I'll make the food, and they're like, oh, what's in this sandwich? And I'm like, well, you know, and then one of my friends came up the other week and we went up Helvellyn actually. And then 
I made I made a sandwich and it had like goat's cheese and homemade hummus and some tomato puree. What else is in there? Um, anyway, she was like, this sandwich is really good. I was like, so I feel like the pressure now. I've got to keep maintaining these like epic mountain sandwiches. Yeah, you can't just rock up now with a boring sandwich, can you? No, no, I couldn't just do like ham and cheese or something. I have to be like, got to be a bit, a bit different. But uh, yeah, you've got to have good food. You've got to have good food on the trails and outdoors. Yeah. You know, you've yeah, got to fuel, fuel yourself. What's your favourite food, outdoor food? Uh, outdoor food? Um, I'll eat anything when I'm outdoors. Uh, however, I try and pack as light as possible. So, mm. unfortunately, it's dehydrated for main meals. Um, Is that when you're camping? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. Uh, but snack-wise, it's just anything. Anything that I can get my hands on, I'll take as a snack for the trail. I do particularly enjoy jelly babies whilst I'm walking on the trail. Mm-hmm. They're a good little perk. Um, I also love a good chocolate flapjack. Ooh, nice. Um, but yeah, pretty literally anything that you shouldn't normally eat, I'll take with me <laughs> because it, it's guilt-free when you when you're out and about. Yeah, yeah. Def- Have you had um, Tony cho- Tony's chocolate Tony chocolate? I, I don't think I could even say that. Tony's chocolate. <laughs> so I was introduced actually on a mountain day. Someone was out with. She was like, "Oh, I've got this Tony's chocolate Tony chocolate." Um, it's like this salted caramel, but the, the bars are like really thick. You get, a, it's like thick chocolate and the company is all about ending slavery and chocolate. So you can't have to eat it because it's, it's, you know, it's doing good in the world. Yeah. Um, but the first time I tried it, I was like, this is so good. That's the night. That's, if you've got a stash of that, that's a bit good on when you're out in the mountains as I've well. I've never even heard of it. Yeah. Tony's chocolate. I mean, it's quite expensive. It's done about probably want to get it when it's on a discount so it's about three pound fifty for a bar but it is very it's some of the best chocolate i've had i'm not gonna lie it's very good sounds like a treat yeah and, and like mm. i said some of the money goes to ending slavery in chocolate so winner winner rude, rude not to yeah doing good yeah. eating chocolate and doing good all chocolate should do good yeah yeah that's should. where they're going wrong isn't it yeah, exactly. So if you see it, there's um, the salted caramel one. It's like bright orange. It's like I've got a bright orange um, cover on it. Yeah, give it a go. New trail snack. Yeah. You might wish I hadn't <laughs> told you once I've told you about You do know I'm diabetic, right? Now you've just really, really put your foot in it. <laughs> oh, yeah. Well, I did actually hear that on your West Island Way podcast, actually. Oh. Hey, it's okay when you're on trail. You're not diabetic when you're on the trail. It's okay. Oh, okay. Are you type one or type two? Type two. Type two, okay. Oh, ooh, yeah. She probably shouldn't be <laughs> telling you about no more sugary snacks. <laughs> Go for the gourmet sandwich. Go for the gourmet sandwich. That's. that's oh, I don't way. think I could make one. I'm gonna have to. You're gonna have to pop one in the post for me, isn't <laughs> it? Wrap it up in foil. Yeah. Yeah. Um, <laughs> right. Let's go back then. Um, to you decided to become a mountain leader. That's yeah. your plan. Yeah. Um, having somebody, somebody came in and they told you that's what they did, and you, you sort of worked out that's the direction I want to go. How did that that journey start then? What what was your first plan? So I've obviously got research. You've got to research what, what do you need to do. Um, spoke to a couple of people. So then I just started. Um, so I was literally signed up. That's twenty summer twenty twenty. You have to have your D log. So if you don't know, it's like Mountain Training Association. You have to have a D log, and then you have to log your. They call them quality mountain days. A quality mountain day is has to be at least five hours. You have to go above 600 meters so you have to climb a mountain because the mountain's ending over 600 meters um and you've got to have a bit of navigation um and then basically you have to log you have to log 20 of them 
um, before you can go and do your training. And then your mountain leader training is six days, um, six days in the mountains, two nights while camping. Although when I did mine, it was in October last year and the weather was, I mean, it was howling wind, howling rain, which I'm actually really grateful to have done my training in that weather because it's like, I think if you can do your training in that weather, like that's your training in the worst possible scenario. So we were meant to do two nights while camping because there was flooding. We only ended up doing one night. Um, the wind was so high. I don't think we actually went above about four or 500 meters. And even then we were like getting blown about. Um, yeah. But try, you know, learning to do, you know, doing nav training where it's claggy, it's windy, it's raining, it's difficult to see. It was really good experience as and brutal as it was. And what was even better was the, the people. So there were six of us on the course, never met each other. Um, and for six days, you're together quite intensively. You know, you're together, you have long days. And we all just got on really well. Like there was no, there was no bad energy, no moan. And, no, and nobody moaned either. Everyone just cracked on. Even I, I, in the worst weather. Yeah. And you know, there's yeah. times, um, you know, they're all, um, we all keep in touch now. And um, you know, there was times actually. One of the the guys that I was on the on the um, course with, he was hilarious, cracking sense of humour. And there was times when I was on the mountain, like literally, like crying with laughter, and like you know, I was like, "You've got to stop!" Like I'm trying to nav, I'm trying to do this. Um, but yeah, it was really amazing. It was one of the, do you know, what? It's up there. It was one of the best experience things I've ever done. Like I absolutely loved it. And I remember on the sixth day, on the final day, we'd been out while camping, and we'd were coming back down into Coniston through the copper mines. And I remember being like, I don't want to come off. I don't want to come off the mountains um, because it was just amazing. You're just immersed in it. And even though for the first sort of when we weren't wild camping, we I was staying in a and b in Ambleside. It was because I was away from home because I didn't I didn't live in the lakes at the time. And I consciously had decided I wasn't going to be on my phone that week. So I was like, I'm not going to go on social media. I'm not going to go on my phone. So I kind of really like immersed myself in it. And then I remember yeah. at the end just not wanting it to end and like to go back to normal life yeah yeah understand that and it felt like we'd become this little family for like the six days you know it was like it was almost like I I had to decompress when I got back because it was such um such a great experience I mean it was hard some of it was hard like some of the nav is you know we're doing night nav you you're navving solely on contours like you know when he's like navving it's like right there's this teeny knoll here and I want you to get to, to this team, this spur here. How long is it going to take? Um, you know, what path are you going to take? It's got to be the best one underfoot. You've got to keep an eye on your group. And obviously this is a training, so it's like they're still training you. Yeah. When you go to do your assessment, you'll do everything that you've done in your training. It's five days. But no one's telling you what to do. you just got to do it. And then you don't get any feedback till the end. Um, so it's quite an undertaking, actually. It's quite a – I don't think people realise necessarily what you have to – Quite rightly so, because essentially, yeah, definitely quite rightly so, because you know anybody could do it otherwise, and it's got to it's got to have that element of of difficulty, and uh, it's got to test you because ultimately the responsibility at the end of it is quite a big one, isn't it? Yeah, I definitely have had moments where I'm like, Louisa, really, you you want to be responsible for people in the mountains, the health and safety? <laughs> you know, when you're lost, I'm like lost on top of a lost on a trail somewhere, and I'm trying to figure out where I'm like, you think that you could do this really <laughs> but then you come off and you're like actually the times that it goes well 
are actually not the valuable times, the times where it goes wrong, where you get lost, where you take a wrong path, where the weather turns suddenly or you maybe don't have the right kit, although that doesn't, I'm very good with my kit now. Um, you know, that's, they're the bits that you learn the most. And I think that's the yeah. same for life generally is that where things go wrong, they're the most valuable learning experiences. And so at the time, it might be not great. When you look back, you're like, yeah, actually, I've learned a lot. So I was actually, it happened to me a couple of weeks ago. I was out fell running and it was, um, I knew the weather was going to turn about half seven. I knew it was going to start raining. So my plan had been go up and be back down by half seven. But then I got up, I was going up over um, Bidafell, up and my original plan would be go up Bidafell, back down Placefell and back down towards Hallenfell. But then I got up there and I was like, oh, hang on a minute, Angleton's up around here. And I actually haven't been to Angleton. I was like, no, let's, let's reroute. So I just like, which I'm quite guilty. I do this quite a lot. I'll go, oh no. Um, so I was like, all right, let's go up right Angleton. I got up there and I was like, oh, actually, hang on, there's some more, more fells over there that I've not been to. So I was like, oh, I'll be fine. I carry on going. Like, sunny and hot. I'm like, woo, yeah, brilliant. And then um, I decided to head towards Deer Forest and the Nab. And I uh, got to Deer Forest, which was amazing. Like, literally, all the deer on Deer Forest. Not, you know. Wow. Uh, very past <laughs> That's exactly me. what it says on the table. Exactly. You know, <laughs> I was like, no misselling there. Um, but then I got on it and I'd completely lost the path by this point because I was like, you know, I'm a fell runner. I'm a leader. I don't need to stick to the path. I can just <laughs> go wherever I want. <laughs> Um, and then I got on to Deer Forest, but Deer Forest is like, it's just blank. There's no, it's not really any trail on it. It's just like one big mass of kind of like mounds and grass. And at this point I was like, I could tell the weather was going to turn. I was like, I need to get off this. And, um, and my plan had been to go onto the NAB and then go down NAB, but back down, um, and I would be back fairly quickly. So anyway, then I was like, right, okay, I've got to get off this. I've got to get off this fell. I was like, I just knew the weather was going to turn, and it was going to turn quite quickly. So then I'm running around this thing, and the deer were kind of like terrified of me. So they're running around. I'm like, sorry, deer. And then I was like, oh, I'm just going to take a line down here. Then I get down. I'm like, okay, maybe that's not the safest line to take. It looks like it's a bit of a death trap. And actually, I can see the bottom. I don't know where I would go. So I was like. So then I was just like, right, you just have to go back the way you came. Like, it's going to be the quickest, safest thing at this point. And literally, as I did that, it wasn't just rain. It was wind and hail starts battering me. And I was like, oh. So anyway, like, I've got to run back up this fell that has started coming down, running back up. Um, and then they get to the top. I'm like, right, okay, now I just know where I've got to go. I've got to run around here. And then I was like, I have to find the path back down by place fell because I don't want to go back over Beda fell in this, this wind. I need to get off the tops because it's really windy anyway so it ended up taking me twice as long as I thought because I'd have to go back the way I came which then doubled my mileage and I don't think I got back to my car till like quarter to ten <laughs> and wow. I was like drenched <laughs> and um absolutely soaked and it was so weird because when I set off there's all these people around because it's really hot and sunny yeah. and I got off the fell and I got back up to Helen Fell where I parked my car and it was like so eerie because it's like everyone had just disappeared. Yeah. And it was the weirdest thing. And I was just like, and I was really quite annoyed at myself. I was like, oh, well, you made a right hash job of that now, didn't you? Like, what on earth was that? Um, and then I was like, well, it's fine. Number one, don't change your route while you're out, just because yeah. oh, I think you can do it. Um, and yeah, just 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 be a bit more. Because my my thing, so I think I mentioned I work in learning development, so I do personality profiling. And um, 
I, my, my, we, my, my biggest weakness is attention to detail. So doing my mountain leader training has actually been really good for me because it's like, yeah, it's all about detail. And now that is my, it is one of my absolute things I always score lowest on. Um, so it's quite interesting because it's like, right, you have, and I remember giving myself a bit of a, right, you've really got to work on this because this is what, you know, this is what you need to do. So at the time I was like berating myself and I just was like, who do you think you are to be doing this? And then after a couple of days, I was like, oh no, there was some great learning there. And, you know, it's actually really good to have these experiences because actually it's far better to have these experiences on your own and before your assessment, because that's how you learn. Um, So, so yeah, that was, that was one of my recent, and then, and then two days later I was in Snowdonia. And I also, I think the other thing to remember is when you're really passionate about the outdoors, this is something I've really learned this year is I just want to be out all the time. I'm like, get me out in the fells, get me out in the fells. But you've got to balance it because now I live in the Lake District. There's been times I'll be like out in the fells like nearly every night and then on a weekend. And I found I got to points where I'm like, I'm really tired. I'm really tired. And so I think I was going through a bit of this as well. And then Saturday I went to Snowdonia. And um, again, the weather was awful. I was meant to do Trifan and Ogre Valley, but the winds were too high. So I'd reroute myself to um, a 600 metre. It was like, Oh, I can't remember which it was near um it was one of the weather do you know what I've completely forgotten what it was called when I think it begins with Elks Reservoir anyway I went up and uh went down again on the way back down got down that was fine I was on the flat I wasn't on anywhere high I was on the flat messed up my nav again ended up in a field shouldn't have been in scratched all my legs up and then I had to turn back around I was like all right okay and I was like okay here we go again here's some more lessons on your nav um but also what I realized that day was I was tired. I was like, I'd been yeah. going out so much. Just one, because I love it. When I get done, I was like, you really need to have a rest. Um, but again, I was like, these are all really good experiences for me to yeah, have. Yeah, of course they are, yeah. Um, best, to, best to make those mistakes now, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. And I think, <laughs> I mean, I, the is, I'll get really cross with myself and then I'll start laughing at myself going, oh, you're an idiot. Um, but it is what it is. And I think, I think it's probably, you know, something maybe we don't talk about enough actually like in sort of mountain leader training or like out in the mountains that we do get lost we do get lost of course we do and there's, there's always the human factor yeah and it's it's okay and it's part of learning but i think what the best is it's not so much about getting lost what what the greatest skill is is learning how to keep calm and reset yourself we call it relo- relocating so they're like right so rather than we got told like when you're doing mountain lead training if you get lost don't say you're lost just say just need a moment to relocate and then you know get yourself together (laughs) but reframing it like that helps you your own mindset when trying to deal with that situation i guess doesn't it yeah because if you start saying you're lost you start panicking in Mm. your head and when you're actually just relocating it's fine yeah it's it's the same thing isn't it where if you walk in and you pick up a map to have a look at a map someone goes are we lost well, no, because I'm looking at the map. Yeah. We're not lost because I'm looking at the map. It's fine. Yeah. <laughs> when actually, yeah, we're really lost. <laughs> <laughs> Although I think um, like somebody else I did my mountain leader training with, he said to me, he said, you know, you can never really be lost in the lakes because you're never far from a valley. So yeah. just get down into the valley and you'll be all right because then you're not going to be far from a road. And I was like, he's got a good point. Um, although it still doesn't... Um, I had another scary moment last year. I'm probably really not selling myself as a mountain leader here all these times I got lost. <laughs> You're not quite there yet, though. It's fine. It's all right. <laughs> that, this was before I'd done my mountain leader training, actually. This was this was this was a this was a moment where I really thought about what are you doing? I'd I'd gone for um I was doing a three-day expedition, like two nights while camping. 
And um, I'd come up from Keswick, Overcat Bells, um, Maiden Moor, and I'd gone up um, Dale's Head, and then I was coming down Dale's Head into Honister Pass. However, what happened um, was I'd met these two guys at the top of Dale's Head, and we got chatting. Like, we're just, you know how you do, you just meet people and you get chatting. And, and we're kind of walking. And I was like, oh, no, I'm not going that way. Like, I need to, um, I need to go the other way. Anyway, I kind of went, I was like, oh, this looks like the place to go down. Anyway, do you know Dale, Dale's Head by Honister Pass? I know where it is, yes. I ended up on the old slate mine. Like literally all this slate on a steep descent in my big wild camping pack. And I was like, oh. My worst fear, especially as someone that's trained to be a mountain leader, is to call mountain rescue, right? So I'm like, oh. oh um, yeah, it's the, the fear of embarrassment more yeah. than anything else, isn't it? Shame. And um, <laughs> so I'm like, oh, my God. And I'm like, well, what am I going to do? I've got to get off. So anyway, <laughs> and, and I, I went past. I've, I actually this year did Dale's Head and didn't get lost and got it right and I was like yes I've made progress um but I sort of was going up towards Fleetwood Pike up through Honister by Honister Mine and I saw the bit that had come down and I was like people like I, I was wearing bright pink I was like god knows what people must have thought last year when they saw this mad woman in pink trying to get so I basically had to I was like right you know talking about lessons and I think there's beauty of the outdoors that there's so much you can take that you can then take back to your life so I was like right you got to keep calm and you got to get yourself out of this. So I was like, right, okay. I've just got to get past this like whole mass of loose slate. So I was like, literally, <laughs> so slow. I'm just picturing it in my head. <laughs> With this big, you know, I've got my big camping pack on. I'm wearing, I'm, I look like a pink highlighter because I've got pink, bright pink t-shirt and bright pink shorts. <laughs> and I'm like slowly creeping off along this slate. And all this time I'm thinking, I'm going to die. Oh, my God, what, what am I doing? Anyway, I managed to get a, across the slate. I'm like, yes, yes, I've done it. It's all right, it's all right. You're safe. And then I re- didn't realise I've got like a, a descent like that, like super steep, steep descent that you can hardly walk on. I'm like, at this point, I'm just like, oh, my God. So anyway, I ended up, um, I've got a video of it somewhere, actually, of me going down on my on my ass, like literally <laughs> sliding down this uh, thing. <laughs> And just being like, well, you know, if in doubt, just get on your ass and go down that way. Um, I think my mountain leader instructor, this was before I did my mountain leader training, but he he would have been like, what is she doing? Anyway, then um, I managed then to get back on the path, the path. And I got to um, Honister, Honister, you know, the the main centre for Honister. And I literally got there. I think I got myself a full fat Coke and I just sat down. I was like, what was that about? Jeez. I was like, (laughs) That was a bit hairy. Um, but at the same time, it's like, right, well, you did it. <coughs> you got through it. You faced that fear. You survived. But I was a bit like that. <laughs> um, and then I ended up on, then I ended up um, up on top of Haystacks while camping. So it was worth it because it was beautiful, oh, beautiful, beautiful sunset. My favourite by far. Yeah. Oh, yeah, isn't it? It's it's like, yeah. it is my Haystack and Blen- Blencathra. Like, it's between them, my two favourites. But it was, um, yeah, it was stunning and sort of that view over Buttermere and it was the sun was setting. Beautiful. Oh, it was, yeah. it was worth it. It was worth it when I, when I got there, but that was, um, that was probably one of my hairiest ones. And I did have a moment where I was like, am I going to have to call Mount Rescue? This is awful. But do you know, it's, it's weird though, because I think everybody who is into the outdoors and into, uh, into walking in the mountains, we've all been in those situations, but not many people. It, the people are living the, the Instagram lifestyle, aren't they? And we don't hear about those, yeah. so it's really nice to hear it because 
especially for someone who, who's training to be a mountain leader as well. Um, we've got to normalise that, I think. We've got to normalise the fact that, yeah, people do get lost in the mountains. People get themselves into hairy situations. We have to go down slate, uh, steep slate descents on our backsides. I did uh, not. It's normal, <laughs> isn't it? You know, we've, all, we've all been there. Yeah. Just, I, I like hearing those stories because it's normal and it makes me feel better when I get stuck in those situations. <laughs> well, I think also, you know, I think it's that, like anything in life, like I said, I think because of my, my job, I do a lot of leadership development and just coaching and I'm always reflecting on like, what is this teaching me? You know, and I think for me, the outdoors gives you a resilience because you know Definitely, you never yeah. nature's unforgiving the mountains are un- unforgiving they don't care who you are they don't care what job you've got they don't care what car you drive they don't care who you are you, and that's why you've always got to respect it right so you've always got to respect the mountains because no matter how much experience you've got you never know what's going to happen and i think there's something there about being ready for anything and building that resilience in you being being outdoors but i also think there's there's times when I like when I was doing that mountain leader train last year and it was like this wild wild wind and rain and there were times when I'd be like being swayed about but I was just smiling because I was like that's yeah like mother nature is so powerful and you know that I think particularly I sometimes say because we talk about feminine mother nature that power exists in women and women doubt themselves so much right they're like yeah I'm, I'm not good enough don't do this it's like look at the ocean it's like the strongest force on earth mother nature's strongest force on earth and then you stand there in it and you're like at times i'm in awe of it and it's like it's remembering that that we we're all nature we're all we all are it but we lose we forget and we lose that connection with it and i think also when you're in that kind of weather it builds your resilience because it's like well okay you're gonna get a bit bit wet but actually it's not the end of the world is it if you can get yourself back down and you've got the right kit you know if you've got the right they say don't they no such thing as bad weather, just bad <laughs> yeah. kit. Um, and I think, yeah, and also just seeing how every everything everything flows together, you know, sort of. And I like recently before um, I was back in it was back in May. I was I was in the uh, I was going up Sheffield Pike, and I remember a mountain leader who's qualified last year said to me, he said, you know, when you're out, you begin to tune in. When you're out a lot, you begin to tune in and see what's going on in the terrain. And he's like everyone's been saying oh, it's been really wet and he's like it actually hasn't because I've noticed how dry the Lake District is this year and I remember going up Sheffield Pike back in May and I was like one of the sort of streams coming off on the mountains into the river was really dry and I was like oh actually yeah we think there's been lots of rain and there hasn't and I think there's all these things that you begin to notice yeah and you become so much more tuned in in a way that you wouldn't if you're not in those outdoor spaces yeah, yeah. um and I think that's where you know we were talking before we sort of recorded didn't we about how people that are outdoors you get quite passionate about litter you get quite passionate about looking after nature because you realize how important it is and you realize what the Mm. impact it all has and I think you come to really really respect it and understand that you know I think also being the mountains you realize how small we are like you know definitely everybody says that don't they I mean you're so insignificant and and I find that you're more insignificant when you get yourself into the mountains and then you find yourself in one of those sticky situations. That's <laughs> when you realise just how insignificant you are and how small you are compared to Mother Nature. Yeah. Um, I definitely find that when I get into those sticky situations. But I always I, I said some I put a post out this week. In fact, that when you get into those sticky situations you you tend to respect nature more you mm. respect yourself a bit more and you learn a lot from it because 
you know, at that point, it's it's you focusing on every single step that you take. Mm. Your next step is critical. And so you forget about everything else, all the stresses yeah. of life, work, all the other things that you've been worrying about. Now your only focus is putting one step in front of the other to keep yourself safe. Yeah. And that that is the power of nature and being outdoors. So that's that's how I see it. Mm. Yeah, it really brings you back. I feel like it strips you bare. It strips you bare and then it brings you back to yourself. Yeah. Um, and I think there's also something um, about, I was talking to again my mountain leader friend about this, about when you've got a problem, if you're in an office and you share it, it stays within those four walls. Whereas when mm. you're in the mountain, it just goes. Yeah. It just goes. And I remember um, years ago when I was working in Tahold Park, I used to do coaching. And sometimes I'd take my coaches out like for a walk on the beach or walk up near Clamberis. And the quality of conversation was always so much better. And then I started being like a massive advocate for, right, let's not do one-to-ones in the office. Let's do one-to-ones walking and talking. Yeah. You know, and I think, again, talking about outdoorsy people, what you find is like people you meet in the out- in, in the mountains, you, the conversations are just different. It's just yeah. different um, because there's something about, it just, it's, it's just strips you back, doesn't it? it just, it's simple, simple, yeah. it's simple way of being. And I think that sometimes when you've been wild camping or you've been out for a few days, it's almost like, oh, God, decompress. Like, <laughs> like when you go back, I remember like there's been times when I've been away for three days outdoors and then got on a train. I'm like, I'm not ready for this. I'm not ready for all this <laughs> stimulation. <laughs> Have you ever felt that? Yeah, definitely. Especially when you've been out um, for a few days. Like for me, West Island Way was the, you know, seven days living outside. Um so for me, that was weird because at the end of that, I was on a train back to Glasgow, Glasgow back to Manchester, and it was just that, you know, the, the train was delayed from Glasgow as well, and they'd cancelled another train, so there was two trains worth of people on one train, and there's all these people surrounding me, and I just thought, you know, I've been walking in the mountains, like nothing but fresh air, and now I'm just surrounded by people and noise and, and life again, and yeah, it hits you hard. Yeah. It does. Yeah, the West Highland Way is beautiful. Yeah. Yeah. When did you do it? So I did it in May last year. So yeah, so I oh, I never finished it. So I ended up having to <laughs> finish day one at Crinolaric. So I did the four, male guy to Crinolaric on the that day, and then basically my my ankle blew up like a golf ball. Um, yeah. So I didn't manage to finish it. But what my plan is um, is to go up and start in Crinolaric, and then okay. finish in Fort William and finish it. Um, it's about halfway anyway, isn't it? Yeah. So I uh, had fifty yeah. miles, fifty miles to go. Um, but yeah what was your highlight what was the best bit weirdly and I've said this before weirdly uh, so day four for me it was and I'm going to try and remember where this was so it was between Benglass campsite um, Benglass farm and um, Tindrum so it was that that was just a it was a, a relatively short day actually it was probably the shortest day and it rained all day and it was the worst weather (laughs) And it was horrible. But also, that section of the walk, it, it's not the best. Mm. Like, you, you're walking up a few lanes that go past a farm and this, that, and the other. And you don't... I mean, it goes through a nice pine forest. That was a mm. nice bit. But that day, weirdly for me, was my highlight. And it was just hammering it down all day. I was soaking wet. Um, it was miserable. But I'd, at that point, because it was day four, I'd sort of connected with the with the trail itself. And I thought... Yeah, I'm happy. I feel content now. I'm. I'm in. I've got no pressures, and I'm just. I'm in the middle of it, and I'm enjoying it. 
And that was the highlight for me, weirdly. Um, with regards to views and things, I mean, every day yeah. had something that was beautiful to look at. Um, I, I did actually enjoy, weirdly, again, I enjoyed the um, the second half of Loch Lomond, which is quite a brutal Oh, that trail. <laughs> it's just horrendous, isn't it? It's brutal. But I got into a bit of a flow and I was enjoying hopping over these big branches yeah. and up these steps. And I, I just started really enjoying it. To to the detriment where I'd, I'd actually hurt my knee in oh. doing that. Towards the end of it, walking to Benglass Farm, I was just hobbling. I thought, I've ruined myself here. But mm. that's because I was I was just hopping about like I was a kid in a playground, you know? And I, But I really enjoyed that section. It was quite fun. So we both came away with uh, West Highland Way injuries. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> to what, that trail, I mean, it was... It was the Loch Lomond because I did that all of that. It's like 20 miles around. I mean, it was absolutely stunning. But I remember at the end of when you come out of the of the trail and then it's just flat grass. Yeah. And I was like running going, huh, what? <laughs> flat, <laughs> flat, soft grass. I was like, this is a revelation. I was like, this is amazing. <laughs> it's just the most brutal like trail isn't it going along along Loch Lomond it's quite difficult I feel like it's quite difficult to explain to people why it's so brutal though like I was trying to explain it and I was like I don't quite it's like there's branches and then it's like it's just really technical but that doesn't sound like this is exactly how I tried to explain to people oh there's loads of tree roots and people are like tree roots like (laughs) yeah but I'm talking about ones that you have to climb over I'm not talking about ones that you just have to step on and then but you say that but then like the trail bit is like only it's not like a point you're going over these branches but the actual trail's not very wide either oh not at all and then you've got like you said the the steep steps like some of those steps like stone steps up and down it's just up and down isn't it It, yeah oh yeah it was um I mean, I'm not gonna lie. Towards the end, I was like, "It's ever end." It didn't feel like it was ever gonna end. You could see, like, you're trying to look down the the lock, aren't you? It's like, gotta be near the end now. Gotta be. But it just went on for ages. At the same time, as saying that, it was. I mean, it was absolutely stunning, like absolutely Mm. beautiful. And I was really lucky that the. I mean, that whole week that was in the Highlands, the weather was amazing, and it was like actually. I mean, I'm quite lucky. I've I've got like Latin skin, so I tan quite easy. But I obviously spent like the whole day. You know, I was like out for 14 hours, like running, and um, and then I had the day off. The day the day after, I just had to rest, and I did do Ben Nevis, which probably wasn't the best idea for my ankle. <laughs> um, but I came back from Scotland with a tan. Everyone's like, "You're so brown." <laughs> I was like, who knew you could go to Scotland and get a tan? Because the weather was so good. We were, I was so lucky. Like the weather was yeah. amazing. It was like the last week of May going into the beginning of June um, last year. And it was just like when we were on the top of Ben Nevis as well. I mean, it was so weird because it was like really hot as you're going up. And then you just, there's like a, a bit of a shelter, you know, just before we go to the final bit of the summit. And it, there was all snow. So we then like yeah. all kitted ourselves up with everything. And then you're on top of Ben Nevis and it was like clear views. You could see all oh, over. Oh, lucky you. And then, um, yeah. but there was snow. It was like, th- there's like end of May. It's, th- it's th- crazy, snow. isn't it? And then, you know, like we got, and I think it was fun. We, we slipped on the way down. We ended up sliding down on our asses with our waterproof trousers. There's a bit of a theme here for you, I'm, I'm noticing, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah. Although I don't do it now because we got told when I do a mountain leader training, you should not be descending on your ass. So I haven't. I've, I've kind of. Not, so you jacked it all in I've and you're looking for a new all. hobby. I've jacked it all in. It's now about 
you get get yourself together and walk. <laughs> and do you know what? I don't think I've done. I've done because before that, that summer, last summer, I did do a fair. So I went down Lord Rake's um, seat of Scarfell, and um, I was with my mountain leader friend. We were doing some nav training. And he was like, we might be going down on our, there's a small bit at the top. He was like, we might want to go do our asses. I was like, my ass is going to get some action. Anyway, ripped my favorite shorts. And for the next two days of wild, or like, because we're wild camping, I just was walking around with my, uh, with a big hole in my butt. <laughs> I was like, sorry, everybody, if I'm flashing. Um, but yeah, I, I retired it after I'd done my training and I learned better skills. I've given up the descending on the arse, sadly. But it was good fun. Uh. It was good fun. We were like, we were like kids <laughs> giggling sliding down the uh the top of Ben Nevis and then yeah we... hey once you're qualified you can do whatever you like just remember that as long as I'm on you my can own bring back, I feel like you when can I'm... bring back <laughs> ass sliding it's not an issue once you've passed you can do I'll do what I want if I want to go down on my backside I'll do that yeah it was good fun but yeah and then we got half an hour off the summit and we were back in shorts and vests it was so hot it was mad yeah it was mad it is weird isn't it how how and that's that, that just goes to prove doesn't it how you know, people do need to be mindful of what they're taking and having the right gear and the right kit. And I suppose that's a big part of becoming a mountain leader is is understanding that and understanding what your group have got as, yeah. as by way of kit to make sure that they are equipped for that kind of thing. Because, yeah, you could set out um, on your walk in your shorts and T-shirt, absolutely sweltering, but, yeah, you might be coming across some snow in a little while. Yeah, and I think the other bit of that is also checking the weather because I think people don't realise when you're in the valley, it might be really warm and dry and lovely, you get six, seven, eight hundred meters up. Does not mean it might be windy. The, we- the weather can turn, and I, you know, I've, I think I've become a bit of a. I'm very passionate about obviously, but particularly since I'm a mountain leader training, I feel that kind of responsibility now of actually sharing that knowledge. And um, yeah, so I'm always saying to people, right, don't check just your iPhone weather. You need to go a mountain. There's a mountain weather website, or get on the Met, the Met website. They've got um, they have what mountain weather, yeah, the mountain one, don't um, they? Yeah. And compare it, and you know if it's above 30, 40 mile per hour winds, you're probably you know if you're not experienced, you probably you know if you're saying to me it's 40, 50 mile per hour winds, and you want to go do striding edge and it's raining, I'm going to be saying uh, <laughs> probably not the best idea you've ever had in your life. It probably might regret it. Um, and, you know, also about your kit, it's like just, again, just because it's warm in the valley, you know, you will get colder when you when you go to the go to the top. Um, and these are the things that people, if you don't know, you, you know, and it's that thing, if you don't know, you think, oh, I'm going to go up a mountain, it'll be fine. And not realising that actually, like we said, the mountains can be really unforgiving. And I think the other thing is to understand that once you've done one mountain doesn't mean that you can just go and do any because every mountain's different. The trails up them are different. Yeah the steepness the gradients whether they've got a scramble or not um and so it's just always good to do your research and and have a map and know how to see the amount of times i've been out and people are like oh a bit old school aren't you with your 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 paper map i'm like well i'm training to be a mountain leader and you know you, you only get trained you, you get tested to read a map obviously no technology because the whole idea is Ultimately, they are training you so that in the worst case scenario, you can get people off the mountain. So, yeah. you know, you need to be able to read compass bearing. But yeah, I've been, I've been out before and people are going, oh, you're a bit old fashioned having a, having a paper map. The next breath they're going, <laughs> I'm a bit lost. Where, 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 yeah. where, am I, where, where are we? And I'm like, oh, right, hang on a minute. Just mocking my paper map. And now, now you, now you want to use it, do you? Okay. Okay. That's fine. <laughs> it's i think it's quite a nice skill to have isn't it and it's something that i need to really 
I mean, I need some kind of basic refresher in this kind of thing. I mean, I've learned to read a map as a, as a youngster. Mm-hmm. Um, I can follow a map. Putting a compass on it and stuff is probably a bit out of my depth at the minute. Um, so, yeah, I need some kind of training within that. Um, I've, I can use a map, and I, I do take paper maps with me, but generally I'll use my GPS, mm-hmm. and if it does go wrong, I can refer back to the map. I get that, but I don't tend to put myself in really bad positions where I know I'm going to get lost, but I know that's, no, that's no excuse. Please don't, if you're listening to this, do not think that that is fine because it's not. Yeah, I mean, I would definitely be uh, looking to get some some nav training eventually. I've actually started. I I signed up last year for um, my mountain leader oh, journey. Oh yay! Yeah, um, it's been a bit sort of on the back burner. Really, I've not really done much. I've probably got less than ten QMDs logged on my D log. Um, it's you know, it's a slow it's a slow process for me, and I'm in no rush at the minute to get it done. Um, but yeah, I, I want to be able to go in to my training fully equipped. You know, yeah. um, I don't want to get there and think mm, I didn't really think that was going to be get, going to be covered this week. Um, I want to be fully. I want to know how to read a map because it's, it's a skill, mm. but it's it's a forgotten skill because, like you said, a lot of people now will just use GPS, mm. and uh, it, I think you might have seen. Um, Benjamin Yates. Oh yes, yeah, uh, yeah. Instagram. So he's he's yeah, he's a friend of mine. He's my friend. He's a friend oh, of mine. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Okay, yeah. So he's I call him like the navigation ninja. Yeah. He's re- he's like he's all over it. He loves it. Um, and you know I've chatted a, f- a few times with Ben on on the Instagram about that. So you should get him on um, the podcast. Yeah, I want... Actually, you should get him on here. He'd be um he'd be really it's good. Co- person it's coming. Don't you worry. It's coming. I'll tell him he's um, got to come uh, on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I I really like Ben. Um, he put some some great stuff out on on social media, um, and it, you know his heart's in the right place for the mountains. Yeah, he's really really passionate about it. Yeah, and I like that, and it comes across. So yeah, well, actually, yeah. he he helped me prepare. So I did a, did a nav weekend with Ben. Um, right. Okay. Yeah. So I'd, I'd I'd actually done um I did a lakes ten and ten with Ben. He sort of um, guided us, and um because my personal trainer was in the army with Ben. So that's how I came to know Ben. And um, last year before I did my mountain leader training, I was like, right, I want to do some proper nav training before I even, before I go on it, just because yeah. I could read a map, but it was like you probably the basics, but it wasn't, like I said, when I kind of had learned how to nav when I did my DV, which was very rusty. And actually, but funny, when I started doing that nav training with Ben, it all started to come back to me. Yeah. Um, but I'd very much kind of navved on like the rivers, not so much using the contours. And what you really learn is really that contour piece of understanding the contours and the lay of the land, which actually what I find now is I do get quite, I can sit and look at maps for quite a long time. I'm like, where does that go? And um, like love plotting little routes. And where does that, where's, where's that go to? Yeah. Um, and I think what I like to do now as well is even if I know where I'm going, I like to reference the map to the land. So I'm like, right, okay, that's that mountain. How, what are the contour's doing? Where's that bit of the contour? Where's that? I mean, it's, I get really, it's really geeky now. Where's that bit of the contour? But it's all that stuff that actually really helps you learn. And I think since I moved to the Lake District as well, it's that thing of if you want to do something, immerse yourself in it and it becomes much easier. I've noticed how just being immersed in it, she says as she got lost a couple of weeks ago, but being immersed (laughs) in it, how I'm beginning to understand how things join, how the Lake District all joins up, it flows into each other, how 
I'm understanding how contours work a lot more and how the trails fall into each other and I just and like even things like the weather so a lot of people don't realize actually when you're doing mountain lead training you have to learn about nav you have to learn about steep ground um descent ascent um rope work you have to learn about river crossings you have to learn about the wildlife and the local nature and the plant life flora and fauna flora and fauna and then you have to learn about the weather so you that you get you know there's this cloud formation i felt like i was back in geography gcse actually it was like (laughs) there's this cloud formation what does this cloud formation mean um you know here's the weather forecast now plot a route plot a you know you know a, a great scenario a what if the weather turns if somebody's gets injured like plot a route according to this weather pattern so i think mm. um i don't think people i i don't think i realized when i first went on the journey just what is involved you kind of you do kind of have to give yourself over to the process really and really yeah. like quite rightly though as we said you're looking after people's health and safety in, in the mountains and i think also if you don't have that complete commitment and passion to it I don't think you'd see it through because you are going to be up in the mountains when it's grim and it's horrible. You are going to get lost, but there's so much that you can gain from that whole experience. You know, it'll push you out your comfort zone. It will teach you patience. And I think, I mean, I'm I'm somebody that's just from life. I think I'm quite good at keeping calm in situations, but I definitely even more so I'm like, well, keep calm. It's okay. Like relocate. Yeah. What do you need to do? Um, that resilience piece and also I think problem solving so you're con- like you know if you're, you're on a difficult trail and I think because I felt I, I do fell running and running that whole piece of like when you're on a tricky trail it's like where's your next foot going Be you know like you said it makes you really present but actually yeah, yeah. I remember coming back and saying to the, the finance director that I used to work with going it's really good for like problem solving and you know right okay so I'm here how do I get there right the footing which 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 route am I going to take um really valuable i think that's why it's good for like team building and and leadership and um yeah there's just so much i just feel like reconnecting with nature everything we all the lessons we need to know for life they're all there you just got to go find it and and bring it back and it's crazy to think that you know you do and that link between work and being outdoors for me i go into the outdoors to forget about work but you're right you do learn so much when you're out there about yourself and your abilities and your resilience and your problem solving skills that you can take back mm. to work and it, it it's everything links yeah doesn't it? it flows yeah. it flows definitely it definitely flows and um yeah i think also that like you said though that well-being piece of equally it's a place to escape a place to yeah. you, know, you know they have forest bathing in japan it's actually a, a you know a prescription type thing go to the forest and bathe in it because it's got it's got (laughs) positive benefits for you yeah and it's free you know the beauty of the outdoors is um you know most places at the moment are free you know and i think and you know more people that access it it helps calm people helps people get a bit perspective and i think also the more time you spend in nature the more respect you have for it and you know if you think of like bigger world problems climate change things like that if everyone had a bit more respect for the for nature we would be we wouldn't be in the situation we find ourselves in now so i think yeah and i think that's an important you know i think that's an important part to talk about with the outdoors actually is that accessibility piece the reality is it's not accessible to everybody and it's only been the last 50 years really that it's become more accessible for mad to think you know it's like landowners yeah it's not long ago is it no yeah. um 
And it, we've got to, we've got to, you know, we've got to keep enjoying it and respecting it to keep that. Yeah. Otherwise, it, you know, it's like, it's like anything, isn't it? You, you know, you carry on playing up. I'm going to take it off you. And it's the same, same with the outdoors. Eventually, you know, if we don't respect it, we don't look after it. You know, you lose access to places. So yeah, we've. We've got to look after it the best we can. We've got to educate people to do the same thing, and um, yeah. and you know, taking taking on the mountain leader training, which is exactly what you've done. That's that shows that you've got a passion and drive because you want to lead people, you want to educate people mm. in the outdoors, and you want to share that passion with them. and And that's all part of the process. No, oh, yeah, hundred percent. I think also for me, um, it's also about helping people build their confidence. Like I said, those getting them in the outdoors and learning about the outdoors, but actually. For you know, because I I want to sort of do specifically focus on um, young people and women, and do because I do leadership work is do the leadership work outdoors and actually really help yeah. people find their confidence and find you know find what they're capable of. We're all capable of so much more than we we think. It's just about being able and having that that's just you know that space where you can push that and actually realise that you're you know we're all capable of so much more than we know. But it's just about yeah. sometimes people need that that push or that somebody just to hold that that space and go, no, you can yeah. you, you can do it. Um, and I think that's something that I'm I feel very passionate about. It's not just getting people out there. It's like what ha- you know all these geeky little things. I'm like you can learn from it. It's like this is this is it. It's like anyone can climb a mountain. Yeah, and I think it's like that analogy for life. You know, so much of life is like a mountain, isn't it? It's like it feels like a hard yeah. slog, and then you'll have these moments where you get to a summit and you get a view and you're like that's amazing same with life you know life's not easy you know it's beautiful and then it's hard and it's beautiful then it's hard and I think it's if you can take that analogy and take it back to life it's like okay this is hard at the moment but at the end or at some point there's going to be another beautiful moment and that's I'm going to hold on to that and really treasure that and that's going to help me through that that other hard moment and I think I've come to realize if you're really living life you're going to have the highs and the lows right because if you're flatlining you're staying in your comfort zone and actually, course, as hard yeah. as it is, we've got to have those highs and those lows. And I think those low points, as brutal as they are at those times, they will be your most, they will be the bits that you grow and you learn the most about life. And at the time, you're like, this is just awful. And then you'll get through it and then you look back and go, but, you know, like, like there's been times in my life that have been awful, but all those rock bottom points, I've always sat there and gone, right, what, what, how do I want to turn this into something better? And you know, ultimately, I, you know, I moved to the Lake District four months ago, which was a had this dream for years of living somewhere where I could get up at sunrise, run up a mountain, swim in a lake, and be at my desk for nine o'clock. And I get quite emotional at points now because when I've been rock bottom, this was what I dreamed of, and I'm like, yeah. And the thing is, the weird thing is, if I hadn't had that rock bottom, I wouldn't be here because in those yeah. rock bottom points, it made me go right. Well, how did I get here, and what do I need to do differently so I don't get here again? yeah and so it's really weird because now i'm like well as brutal as all those things were that i went through kind of grateful now in a weird way because it's like look what you did where it got you and now i literally am living and i don't want to be that smug bitch but i am that smug bitch at the moment i've got my dream job and i'm living somewhere that i've dreamed to live and if I hadn't been through those hard times, I wouldn't be here. And it's like going up a mountain, isn't it? There's going to be times you're like, this is hard work. And the summit, never, I'm never going to get there. <laughs> and then you get there and then it's like, wow, you made it. And then if you're lucky, you'll get a beautiful, clear view. And you're yeah. never going to regret going up a mountain, are you? No, I mean, you don't get there without going through those those painful bits of those false summits and the 
the bad weather and the you know all those getting lost it, it, you are exactly right it's just like life um and that's a, that's a lovely way of putting it i think and to think that you know if you you were living the best life constantly and you didn't have those ups and downs you might not reach the the, the real ups that you want like you move into a place that you really want to be it um living the life that you really dreamt of that might not have ever happened if you were living what you thought was the perfect life a few years back yeah. you know so yeah it's mad isn't it it's uh, it's it's really mad but yeah i think um definitely mountains outdoors and and ultra running as well it's always that thing of like i always say about ultra running it reflects life and life reflects ultra running because ultra running it's like um you know there's times when you're going to get lost and you don't know where you are and actually yeah that's okay because actually sometimes when i've been lost i've also seen things i wouldn't normally have seen and be like oh that's really beautiful um <laughs> you know and ultimately it's that thing when you're lost it's like don't panic keep calm and figure it out because you will figure it out it's okay to ask for help you know at times you're going to need to ask for help but no one can do it for you so you can ask for help but ultimately mm. it's got to be with you because only you is going to get you to the finish line but then also i think the thing that ultra has taught me is about enjoy the journey because every ultra I've done, I've seen like beautiful things and I've met some amazing people, had great friends. And actually when you get to the finish line, it's not, you realize it's not about the finish line. And I think so often in life, no, it's not. Yeah. we just focus on the goal and we forget to enjoy the journey. And actually the journey yeah. is where we are going to experience the life. Right. And when you get to the goal, sometimes yeah. that's where people can sort of go, Oh, Oh, what the hell? because it was all in the journey yeah. probably a bit like your west highland yeah, way is. experience it's, actually but it, it is exactly like that isn't it we don't i mean if you, it was all about getting to the end the end you'd have jumped on a bus wouldn't you you know it's you, you've got to experience everything that goes in between to get to that that end point and that's the bit that makes it what it is yeah yeah and that's the same with any outdoors experience you know it's even if you i'm just thinking completely out of the blue out of the box here you know bushcraft you might want to you want to make something out of a piece of wood because you want a, a bowl or a spoon or something. But you know the process of making it that's that's part of the fun, isn't it? Oh, Otherwise, yeah. you'd have just been and bought a spoon. You know, it's um it's very much the same with with hiking. Very much the same with long distance walks, ultra running. Yeah. Very much so. Anyway, we're very deep here. Um, <laughs> Sorry, it happens. Gonna have to come back out and go back to something like sliding down a slate mine on our ass or something. Um, oh no, I've had enough to talk about that. My my, my epic failures on the mountain. <laughs> uh, what's your next steps then for your mountain leader? How many? Um, when are you planning to go for your assessment? So I'm planning. I'm either going to go in November or April next. So November this year or April next year. Um, I was planning April next year, and then somebody I did my training with was like, "Oh, I'm going to do mine in November." And I was a bit like, "Oh, the weather's not going to be good, though, is it?" But <laughs> I'll have to do my mountain leader training in awful weather. But then I was like, oh, well, it would be nice to have it done for the start of the next season. And also, yeah. um, coming back to that, I'd rather train and get assessed in the hardest weather so that yeah. then, you know. Um, but it all depends on on how confident I feel with, with, my, with my nav. Um, and I do feel, like, definitely more confident, but I, I still feel like I need to do a bit more. As, as evidence of still getting lost um i think that's the main thing and then i just need to um get up to date with my my weather so i'm very good at reading the weather but the whole clouds what clouds is what yeah. uh need to get a bit better on, on that one um and a bit of a refresher on the rope work because you don't 
you don't use it. So we did the rope work in the course, yeah. but you don't, I mean, you actually get, they actually say to you, this is, uh, you, you should never have to use this. If you, if you're using your ropes, you've seriously messed up. Yeah, it's, it's gone wrong somewhere. So I need to just go practice that just because I've not done yeah. it since, um, since the training, but that's, it's, it's, the the one thing you probably don't do as much anyway, even when you go out, well, you definitely don't. You don't be like, oh, I'm going to go out for a hike. I'll take my ropes with me just in case. Yeah. You know, whereas nav and looking at f- flora and fauna is something you could just do as you're going along. Isn't yeah, it? which is what what I what I've um, been doing. So that I definitely feel like I'm getting there with it. Um, and then yeah, just and quite a lot of people I know do like a refresher um, mm. on their rope work. And I also have to do outdoor first aid, but I've done that already. That was good fun actually. Um, coincidentally someone on my course is a first aid trainer um so we all went he was doing a course for uh, a fell climbing club um up at a bunkhouse in the langdale so we had a weekend holed up in the langdales back in march and uh, again we laughed a lot it was actually really good fun <laughs> fair, fair play to him and um, if anyone needs first outdoor first aid let me know because he was it was a lot of fun we had a lot of fun um six of the people we hadn't met it was me and two of the people I did my ml training with and then six others and we just by the end of it we we're all like yeah <laughs> we just we just had a great time and we all got really into roles so we were out actually we were out in the mountains we we're out in the Langdales in the valleys and we all had scenarios but we didn't know what the scenario was so basically you had to act out being a particular casualty with you know, anaphylactic shock shock hypothermia and so all of a sudden someone would start, but everyone got we all got really into it and we're like really into acting <laughs> to a point where somebody um he was his his thing was an epileptic because the idea behind this it wasn't just for fun we all then had to practice our first aid skills and kind of predict what it was somebody was having an epileptic fit like practicing having an epileptic fit and this woman walked past and she was like oh is he all right do you need any help and we're like <laughs> oscar oscar goes to to this one um but yeah that was that was good fun so yeah that's that that's been ticked off as well um and <laughs> thankfully living in the lakes i'm kind of pretty much there with my qmds but I don't want to just go with the, the you know, absolute, I want to have more. Yeah. And I'm going to Scotland in September, actually, to get some Scottish yeah. days in. Well, that's the other thing, isn't it? As part of the process, you can't just have it all within one area. So you've got to yeah. experience a bit of everything. You've you? got to share the love across the uh, the British mountains. Which is fine, because yeah. they're all great. Yeah, so <laughs> I was, because um, I had a week off not too long ago, and I was thinking Scotland, but I knew the midges would be bad. So end of September, yeah. that's the thing with Scotland, you got to, basically not go between sort of mid-June and mid-September really or it's the attack mm. of the midges which yeah. I don't really fancy I've heard the horror stories yeah. <laughs> I've seen videos and also it's horrible I, I just I wouldn't be able to enjoy it you know I, I'll be, I when I did the West Highland way it was October oh, okay nice and actually it, 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 I was a bit worried it was gonna be cold but it wasn't it was it was fine oh, wow um there was no midges hardly any people on the trail so it was great it was a great time of year today yeah that's good because it's come more and more popular the last couple of years west highland way hasn't it yeah i think lockdown's brought a lot of that and in a way it's a good thing that there's a lot more people trying to get into the outdoors and seeing what's on the doorstep as it were and um exploring this country and well the the british isles which is good um but yeah it's definitely been it seems to be very popular Mm. over the last couple of years yeah so what's your next trail adventure going to be well, I'm planning on doing something in September, but I'm just undecided on what yet. Um, it'll be something within a week. I can't can't commit to anything more than that this year. Um, 
I'm looking at the Cotswold way. Oh, I'm looking no. at the South Downs way, the Cumbrian way, which on your doorstep. Yeah. Um, I've looked at the uh, Pedders way and Norfolk coast path. I'm just undecided. Yeah. I just, I don't know what to do yet, but I'll do something um, in September, hopefully. Oh, nice. Yeah, I did a little bit for the, yeah. um, I was over in Cheltenham for work last year. I got a little bit on the Cotswold way while I was down on there. The yeah, way. that was, it was my first yeah. time in Cheltenham. Um, and it was my only day off. I was, I was sort of doing a long stint of um, work, but yeah, it was nice. It was, it was, I found, and I found a trig point um, and I was like, oh, found a trig point in <laughs> oh, Cheltenham. I was like, that's made me happy. It's okay. <laughs> well, actually it wasn't Cheltenham. I'd crossed over <laughs> in the border to Cotswolds by that point. Um, but yeah, that's, that's going to be a nice one. Cumbrian Way. Yeah, that's, uh, mm. that's, uh, yeah, it, I mean, it's it's just deciding which one, I guess. I want to do all of them eventually. It's just time, isn't it? And, and there's so many. Be, there's so many. There is, there's absolutely thousands, and you just don't realise them. I've been trying to make the most of doing local mm. walks, um, so using the Hiker app, uh, just look and see what, like, what trails there are nearby, and I've been trying to make the most of that, and I've actually enjoyed doing that. It, you know, it doesn't. it's not always sometimes about it being one of the most well-known trails like the West Highland Way or um, I've just enjoyed finding local ones and going, yeah, I'll give that yeah. a go and, and finding places I didn't know even existed within an hour of my house, you know. So That's amazing. I've enjoyed doing that. I think that um, being being curious, like that mindset of exploring is just being curious. And when mm. I used to work away, I'd be like, right, what can I find in this place that I'm in that I wouldn't know? And I think – yeah. That's the thing. If you're a curious person, you can always find adventure wherever you are. Oh, definitely. Yeah. And that's a classic example. Well, I, in the, the the role that I was doing previous to the one I'm doing now, I traveled a lot. Um, and I, at, at times it was like four or five nights a week. And I'd be staying at different parts of the country. And I'd always just, you know, pull up OS Maps or Hiker App or and just have a look what's local yeah. and go, I'm going for a wander and seeing what I can find. And, and you know, especially during the summer months when it's still light till late the last thing you want to be doing and is just sitting yeah, in a hotel room or sitting in a hotel bar with your colleagues i can't think of anything it's worse. soul destroying you know, i'd rather just get out and go and have a look you yeah know? so what's your what's um there? do you have like a favorite adventure you found working away has there been a favorite um not really well there's a place in oxford um and it's just it's literally a local walk in oxford i couldn't tell you what the place was called um and it's nothing that amazing but it just takes you across fields you know using public rights away across fields and through farmland and um along a little stream and there's nothing special about it as to to, to talk about like this yeah. now but when i'm doing it i love it you know it's really nice and i think it's probably because as well you you're in a city or near a city and yeah at the same time you're not yeah and i quite like that and you found something as well it's like something that you wouldn't not many maybe, i bet you yeah. i bet there's a lot of people that have lived there that don't know that that's there yeah probably probably and that's the beauty of just looking on maps isn't yeah. it like you say it's sometimes a bit geeky but i love looking on maps and just oh I wonder where that goes i wonder what that looks like in real life and just go and explore it yeah that's, that's what i enjoy doing yeah there's so, so many there's so, there's so many having a sense of adventure yeah there's so many um trails and ways um well you you have literally got everything on your doorstep now you know so I know. you've got to pace yourself <laughs> looking, you've got to pace yourself looking though. locally for me <laughs> compared to looking locally for you 
you it's like a kid in a sweet shop. Yeah, it, it, you do have to, and it, it's quite because interesting. There's a few people that I've met that all live here that have all, as a result of lockdown, reflected on their life, and they've actually just made the move. So there's a few of us around mm. here that all in the last two years have relocated, and we all sort of joke. We're like, we do live here now. We don't need to do anything, <laughs> but because you're like, don't have to rush. Because I think if you're an outdoorsy person, there's always stuff, especially now summers here. There's so much stuff going on all the time, and so it's kind yeah. of like. I want to do that. I want to do that. I want to do that. And then you, then you want to um, get out in the mountains. You want to go and let, go swimming. Cause I love outdoor swimming as well. I just like, it's like pace yourself. But also I think, I think I can already see it when you live somewhere like here, you, you're much more attuned to the season. So because summer's here, you just mm. want to be outdoors all the time. And it's quite funny. Cause it's like, you know, like I need to do my garden. I'm like, look, when it's a nice day, I'm out that's going to be a winter job. And you keep, we all sort of say, right, anything that's to do with the house or indoors, that's for winter. <laughs> that's exactly what I do. <laughs> you know, if you look at my house in the summer you, and you think that that wall could do with painting, well, it's not happening yeah. in the summer. Yeah. Uh, it's definitely happening in the winter. Yeah, and I think that kind of thing of like, you want to be out and expansive in the summer. And then it's like, I can see in the winter, it's like, that's when, you know, like um you know i keep saying i want to write a book i want to get some of my poetry published i'm like that's just, it's mm. just gonna have to wait until i don't want to be outdoors and i can sit on my laptop and start sending <laughs> stuff out um or like my garden's gonna have to you know that's gonna have to wait till winter but i think there's something quite nice about that because actually that's you know that's how actually even though we don't like to think we are our brain we're still quite cavemanish with our brains and how we are yeah um yeah and so you know we want to be out we want to be getting all, all our vitamin d stored up and enjoying the outdoors and then come winter i'll i'll, I'll want to hibernate a little bit more and want to yeah. be home a little bit more and uh then i'll do all the stuff that i've not really had chance to do over summer. yeah it, it, but leaving those tasks till winter We'll see you through winter mm. as well. You'll not be sat around bored, will you? Be like, well, I'll get this done. And by the time that's done, it'll be summer again. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. But it's, it's quite nice. It's sort of, I've noticed that over the last couple of years, actually, just that in winter, I do naturally want to be home more. And, you know, it's like, it's a form of hibernation, really. And then, yeah. and actually, that's what we're meant to, to do in the seasons. It's like winter's about being in, it's dark, it's reflective, and it's taking that time to reflect and go, okay, what have I learned? where do I want to be? What do I want to do? And then, then when spring comes, which is new beginning, new life, that's when you can go take all the stuff that you've kind of learned and all the things you think and take it back out into the world. But I think, you know, again, I think this is a great thing about being outdoors and how you connect more with it is in a world that is always go, go, go. We've completely lost connection of the seasons. Actually the seasons are there for a reason, you know, we're not meant to be on the go all the time. We're not meant to be constantly rushing about, it's it's not it's not how we're meant to be and there's particularly i think you know for, for women we're cyclical like every month we go through spring summer winter and autumn i don't know if, if how much you know about it but that's what our cycle does every month and i think when you yeah. work with it when women work with the cycle you actually makes you better and like i've seen i do it with my training i work with it and so actually when i'm going to my autumn winter when you know i'm coming up to my time to bleed i'm like right well i need to rein it in i'm not going to go get a pb because i'm my body's like no yeah and i think yeah. so we all know that as women but i think we don't we haven't spoken about we we're talking about this the other day sorry to go a massive tangent let's talk about periods <laughs> um i was in the gym the other day and we were talking about as, as at school you basically get taught once a month you'll bleed that's it and here's a tampon but actually there's so much more to it than that so much more to yeah. it and we don't talk about it but 
I've noticed in the last couple of years, women are starting to talk about it and we're talking talk each, to each other about it more. And actually, I think it's really important. It's really important because actually there's, when you can get attuned to it, it's really powerful for women to really work with it. And it's the same thing as like, yeah. every year we have seasons. When we can work with our seasons and be in flow with it, it's so much more powerful for all of us. You know, taking yeah, that- more Yeah, exactly. It's, yeah. yeah. You, you know, nature does its thing. It has its way of being for a reason. It works. And when we start to meddle with nature, yeah, I sometimes think when you know when there's a storm, and this is why sometimes I smile when it's like really windy and howling. I'm like, that's that's Mother Nature going, yeah, don't mess with me, <laughs> don't forget what I'm yeah, about. Stop meddling. Yeah, we're watching. Like just to remind you who's in charge here. And that's sometimes when I look yeah. at it, I'm like, she's angry. Oh, it's angry. It's angry at the. It's angry at the humans today. Everybody get in. But I think we we do. We I think sometimes we think we we can be more so much more powerful than nature and like nothing's more powerful than nature we all exist because of mm. nature so let's not try not to override it because it will come and bite you on the ass in a massive yeah, way do. yeah yeah i think we've all experienced that at some point haven't we whilst being yeah exactly nature nature just giving us a little gentle reminder here and yeah there. Sorry for my little tangent. I often find I talk no, about fine. Uh, random stuff. <laughs> I, I will just quickly jump on what you've, you've mentioned because I wanted to move on to that as well. Um, you spoke about poetry yeah. then just briefly. So I want to delve into that because that's your your sort of love of poetry has almost been inspired from the outdoors, hasn't it? Yeah, so I think it, you know, you're talking about the outdoors. So I've always, I've always written. I've always written um, in a journal and wrote poetry since being a kid. Um, and I'd often, when I'd go out to nature, I'd always, you know, when I'd go and disappear off to an outdoor space, when I was burning out, I'd take a journal and always write. Um, and I never did anything with it. And then in 2020, when I was having this whole like life reflection thing, I, one day I just was like, I'd never shared my poems with anybody. And then, um, one day I was on the phone to my friend. I was like, can I just share something with you? And I shared this poem with her and she went, oh, wow, that's pretty powerful. I said, yeah, I wrote it. And she went, you wrote it. And she's like, you need to be sharing this stuff. And I was like, oh, no, no, I can't. Because <laughs> my poems, are they come from a really raw, they're like real heart and soul, vulnerable stuff. And I was like, I can't share that. I can't share that. But that's what makes poems, I think. Well, yeah. So anyway, the next day, I was like facing this fear. <laughs> and I was like, right, I'm going to do it. So I put this poem up um, on Facebook and Instagram. You know when you put something up and then you're like, oh, my God. I, I was like that. I was like, I'm going to delete it. I was like, oh, my God, what have I just done? Might, de- might delete later. <laughs> yeah and I was like oh no and then and then I got like a like people were sort of commenting on it and being like wow this is really powerful and then what I found was um the more I shared the more that flowed but generally a lot of the places that I get my inspiration so I've been on top of Wernside and had a download um I've been on top of Ingleborough had a download so it's almost like when I'm out and I think it's that thing of when you're out in nature it, you create that space and then that creativity mm. comes in but there's been so many times when I'm like <laughs> And out with my friend, and I'm, I because I don't have like a journal with me. I just have my notes on my phone, and um, yeah. and I'll just be walking. She's like, "What are you doing?" I'm like, "I'm just, I'm just writing a poem." And she's like, "Now she's like, all right, okay, off, off she goes." <laughs> <laughs> you know, and I, I, you know, I, I don't really like um being on my phone lots when I'm out, but I often get my notes out. So, um, yeah, I found the more I shared, the more I just let it open up, and the more I got outdoors, the more stuff just was. It was just like flowing to me yeah. um and then I just started sharing it um 
yeah, just start sharing it on social media, on Instagram and, and Facebook. And sometimes I was like, oh, this is like, oh, this is really vulnerable. Um, you know, that kind of like vulnerability hangover. I was like, oh, what have I just done? And then, you know, people would you'd realize actually fear is bigger than your head than actual reality of, of sharing it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and actually, I think I think it was there was something quite powerful for me in that because I think it was bits of me that I had. A lot of people always said, oh, you're really positive. You're you're like always so happy and positive. I'm like, yeah, I'm, I am. And I am an optimist. But it doesn't mean I don't feel pain. It doesn't mean I don't have hard times. And I think it was only actually I wrote a poem recently called Words. And it was all about how I can write things that I can't say. So and I think being a kid from journaling and writing poems. So I can write down like my emotions and my feelings in a way that I can't always articulate. Um, yeah. And so it became, it's, yeah, it's always been quite a powerful thing for me writing. And I think when I look back to being a kid, you know, I wasn't really academic, but English was one subject, particularly creative, the creative side of it. I used to love it. I used to write stories, you know, just as a little hobby. And it was always a way to express myself. And then it's like now, and funny, somebody said to me, I can't wait for what's going to come out of you when you get you live in the mountains because you're just going to be there all the time. <laughs> and so I think it's, um, and definitely, like I wrote a poem about the West Highland Way. Um, and it's a real mix for me of like, poems that have been inspired about the mountains writing about the mountains like I wrote one poem called the mountain tales because I often look at the mountains and go can you imagine if the mountains could talk like they've been here mm. for millions of years the things that they will have seen things they will have heard so I kind of wrote this poem about what the mountain might say and um but anyway I've been sharing it and then what happened was I've, this year I actually I went did my first open mic night before I moved to Lake District which was pretty terrifying and then I got invited to share it at a women's event um, up in Carlisle, which was amazing. Um, I felt very privileged to get to do that. And then I started, decided to run a poetry event. So I ran um, an amazing bookshop in Pooley Bridge called Varey, little independent bookshop. Um, who That bookshop's come out of another person's dream. So Al, who owns it, that was his dream to always own a bookshop. And he's created this beautiful bookshop with a little coffee shop. And um, so I just moved here and I was like, right, where's the... Um, where where can I go develop my poetry? And I couldn't find anything. So I was just like, I'm just going to start it. So I just, <laughs> Al didn't know me at all. I just approached him. I was like, how, what do you think to do in this poetry event where we talk about what poetry is? Um, and then we, you know, share some prompts, get people writing, and then we do a share. So we did that first one in June. Went really well. And we're going to do another one in September, which I'm really excited about. Um, yeah. And yeah, it's kind of gradually become you know, I think it's that thing like we said about when you're passionate about something and you just throw yourself into it and surrender to it. It's kind of begun yeah. to really take on its own life as its own because there's that event. I've, I'm sharing some poetry at a conference later this year in London, which is really exciting. And then, wow. Um, yeah, now I just, it's, for me, I want to get start getting some of it published. But like I said, I need to be at my laptop. <laughs> I need to be home for that. <laughs> and I'm not very good at being home. Uh, it's a winter yeah, job. Yeah, I think it's that. I think I've just accepted it's going to be a winter job um yeah. so yeah very much I think and I think again that's a, a credit to nature and how it can really stimulate our creativity you know and I think yeah. I don't think it's a coincidence that I mean in the Lake District there's so many artist studios so many books have been written here there's a lot of poets that come from here a lot of artists and I don't think that's a coincidence I think that's the impact no. of when you're in the great outdoors and nature it just it just calms you and just brings that out of you I think um 
Yeah. So yeah, I'm kind of I am that I am that stereotypical person that's gone to the mountains, <laughs> so I write poetry. <laughs> Opened up a gallery. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Somebody said to me, they're like, you're going to be that person, aren't you, that just like lives in the mountains and then writes your poetry. And then also what I've never been somebody that bakes or like really into sort of making things, homemade things. Since I've moved to Lake District, I've baked something like eight banana breads. That's become like a new thing. Baked the banana bread from the mountains. I made numerous homemade hummuses, which I'm slowly mastering more and more. And I made some raw brownies. And I was like, I have, before I moved here, I would never make any of that stuff. And I was, do you wear a penny when you do it? We're not quite there. We're not quite there yet, okay, but I feel well, like... Okay. Just wanted to check. I feel like, um, I feel like that could be coming. <laughs> and it'll be a herdy penny as well, you know, the herdy bro. Oh, yes, definitely. <laughs> You've got to. In fact, I'm going to buy you one. <laughs> so, so, yeah, I didn't, I didn't know what it is. And, and Ben, actually, Ben Yates said to me, yeah, people do. It seems to happen to people. They start baking when they move to the Lake District. <laughs> I think it's. I think uh, it's something about maybe the simpler life. But yeah, it's. Yeah, it's lovely though. Isn't and it? a slow down. It's, it's a slowing down. Even though you're kind of busy being outdoors, it's not that you don't have the rat race. You don't have that. Like I find myself on the road and smile. I smile when I see a tractor. I don't sit there and go, "Oh, yeah. come on." I'm like, "Oh, there's a tractor. That's nice." And I sit there again. Five months ago, you wouldn't have done that. Five months ago, you'd be like, get off. <laughs> get out of the way. <laughs> oh, that's a, it's nice, though, because it slows mm. you down and makes you appreciate things. And, you know, the, that's what you went yeah. there for, I guess. It's not like you just went there because you'd like the name of it. You went there because you wanted that lifestyle. And, yeah. And that's what it's all about. Yeah, it's a sim- the simpler it's a bit simpler a bit out and more outdoors yeah. it's definitely mm. and funny the first time I went back to the city um because I do go back to the city every so often for work the first time I went back to the city I was like oh I don't want to be here oh I don't like it but then what also <laughs> struck me and I think it's sort of living out in the lakes it's it's you are very expensive immediately hit me cities are just designed for spending money Everywhere you go, it's consume, 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 spend money, spend money. And I'd never really noticed it before. But then because I'd I'd been like out in the outdoors and sort of, you know, even the towns, it's not, it's just different. It's just completely different. I went back to the city, I was like, whoa. I was just like walking around, like suddenly so much more aware. And in a way that I'd never had been. It was very, it was quite strange. It's because I think when you when you're in the city, you just head down, you know, plowing on to your next destination to work, to do this, to do that, get, pick up something from a shop or whatever. You just don't see what's you blinkered, yeah. aren't you? You don't see what else is going on. When you come back to it, it's overwhelming. It's right there in your face. And, yeah, yeah. It's, it's not for me. Yeah, I've realised. <laughs> I'm definitely. I don't think. Um, I don't think I've ever been a city person. I think I just went to uni there, and I just ended up circumstance staying, but. Mm. Now I'm here. I'm like, yeah, that's it's it's not. It's, I don't think it's ever really been who it was. It was just situational. I think. Um, yeah. I think it's probably the same for a lot of people actually. And I think you know, I think this is where more outdoors because of lockdown. I think people have shifted more to that space because I think that's you know, coming back to our nature. I think that's where we're we're not meant. In fact, I wrote a poem and I said we're not made for concrete jungles because we're not. Yeah, well, we're not because they weren't here. Were no. We? You know, we've had to make them. 
We lived in the, on the land with yeah. our feet connected to the air. <laughs> now, I'm not going to put you on the spot and ask you to read us one of your poems, unless you really want to. Um, I, I need to go get um, my phone next. Oh. But what I will ask is, how can we... How can we see your poetry? How can we see your creative uh, your creative flow? So if you follow me on the old the good old Instagram, um Louisa.rodriguez, that's where you that's where I share um all my poems. And actually if you want to go to the poetry event, there's a link in my bio as well. Um come down and and it's and it's right by nice. the, the bookshop is right by Old's Water, so it's called Poetry by the Water, because it's literally right by Old's Water. Um, Perfect name for it. So yeah, come come have a little stroll around around Old's Water, and then come write some poetry. Is that so? Is that what you're doing? You'll be teaching people how to write, or will you just so be we talking about your no? I don't. It's journey? it's not about it's not about me. Although they did make me share a poem at the end of the last one, so it's very much just talking about poetry. So we talked to the last session. We talked about poetry different types of poems so then i read different poems from different people because poetry is quite diverse like you know mm. you've got like something old like obviously we've read some wordsworth he was from the late district wrote in the late district all the way up to like i love nikita gill's work and, and rupi core like they're like modern poets um so i share you know talked about like haikus which is japanese poets like three lines we talked um i shared oh it's the walrus um, and the oysters so we it was, we had some good fun I like picked some poems as examples of different types of poems that there are and then they uh, then we did a little activity like in groups like a prompt to write a certain type of poem um, and then we came back everyone shared we had a, a bit of fun with that and then um, everyone got a chance to write their own poems you know there are people there that have been writing for years there are people there that have never written poems but always wanted to but never knew where to start um, and we got them writing, and then at the end, it's like open floor. If you want to share your poems, then please, please do. Everyone did share, which was great. Um, so it will it will be a similar style the event, but uh, okay. the poems I need to just think about. I think I'll probably focus on a particular style of poem this time because that was a bit more broad, and then get people to um, to to write from that. But it's it's very much it's not about I very much with anything really. You've got to make it fun. It's got to be accessible. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think sometimes things like creativity and poetry, people like, you know, it's like anything, isn't it? I can't do that. Everyone can do it. Everyone can, you know, it's, yeah. and poetry particularly is so, you know, it, it, it's about your experiences. It's about what comes from you. And then it's very much about there's no right or wrong. It's how it's interpreted, you know, and everyone will read it differently. Um, and I think it's that you've just got to write what 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 comes, write what you feel. And what was so great was, so everyone everyone basically picked a card that inspired them, and they all wrote. And it was so diverse. So you know, some of them were quite emotional. Some of them focused on nature. Some of them, one of them was brilliant. It was so fun. It was about I'll, I'll never look at crabs quite the same way. Um, and just a line he kept saying, "Why sideways? Why sideways?" <laughs> absolutely brilliant um i will never look at a crab in quite the same way but like superb so it's very much i think it's like anything isn't it people like i I, I could never climb a mountain you could if you put your mind to it you practice and you train Mm. for it it's like poems i never write a poem you could it's just putting some words down on on paper um, and tuning in and i think part of that whole process is again we're so busy we're rushing around you've got to really just allow yourself some time and space. And that's what it's all about, really. I, you know, when I facilitate whatever I'm facilitating, it's all about the space you're creating. Yeah. For me, it's, 
I just am um, the container of the space about creating a space where people feel safe, people can open up. And then what flows is yeah. whatever group I have, I'm only the facilitator only as good as your group. Um, yeah. And it's always a privilege to hold that space for people and see what see what comes. And I learn just as much as they they learn because every time every time you work with people and they're sharing their stories and their experiences, like how can you not learn? It's just you know it's that's it. Yeah, yeah. You just got to be open yeah. to their 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 thoughts and their perceptions of things. And I think that that's you know you you can learn a lot from people and. Mm. I learn just doing this podcast, I speak to different people and I learn so much from different people because everybody's got something to bring to the table. Oh, 100%. I think, um, so come back to leadership development, I do a lot of, I think one of the really key things to mindsets and skills of this moment is curiosity. Because I think mm-hmm. I think the world is changing so quickly, there's so much change. But when you're curious, you have an open mind and you want to find out more. And I think it's such a powerful mindset to kind of have, a bit, well, Maybe I can't do that yet, but let, let's give it a go. Or I don't know about that thing, but what would happen if I found out about it? Or maybe I can't do that yeah. yet, but what do I need to do to be able to do it? And what could the outcome be of doing it? And I think if you've got that curious mindset, it's like a growth mindset. It's a mindset of like always yeah. willing to learn and develop. And I think, you know, uh, I think the world has got a little bit more polarized, like them and us you know there's a lot of like people aren't listening to each other it's like well if you don't think like me then I don't want to talk to you and it's like but that helps nothing that doesn't help us evolve and it only makes society more problematic and actually it doesn't help us and actually if we all were a bit more curious okay so you think differently to me tell me about that you know and actually how can we meet each other in the middle how can we understand each other more because actually you've probably got a point I've got a point and where does that come from and often you know when people hold strongly held views there's a reason there might have things that they've gone through. There might be something they're experienced. But I think if we were all a bit more curious, what difference would that make? How would that impact our relationships, yeah. our connections, um, and how we show up? And, and also, our, how you know, enables to reach our potential as human beings. Because if you're mm. curious, you're always like, well, actually, you know, like that thing of like poems. Anyone can write a poem. It's just putting some pen to paper and seeing what flows. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's understanding that we're surrounded by more than one circle, aren't we? You know, there's there's the circle of this is what I know now, this is my comfort zone, but being aware that there's an outer circle, yeah. and if you're not aware that that outer circle's there, you'll always be in that comfort zone of not knowing. Yeah. But when you're aware of that other circle on the outside, you might not know what 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 it entails but being aware that it's there and you need to step into it to learn and be curious and i think that that is that's a big step otherwise you could just be blinkered and just sit in your comfort zone for a long time yeah and what might you be missing out on what experiences where might that take you um yeah you know i definitely think i'm somebody that's always says yes to things sometimes i think i say yes to too much and then i end up with too much (laughs) but by saying yes to things it's got me here and I've always mm. been quite like, oh, well, that, give that a go. And there are times when I'm like, oh, I've taken on too much. Or like my friends, like, Louise, like, no, you can't take anything else on. I'm like, but I want to find out a little more. <laughs> but I think that's, I th- and I'm actually really grateful that I've been like that because I think it's like change doesn't bother me. Like I'm, I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, sometimes you're like, oh, change. But actually, I, I understand change is, it can be a really positive thing. Um, and I think, you know, if you say yes and you're curious, 
you don't know what you you don't know what you don't know. So you just give it a go. What's the worst that can happen? Exactly that. It's yeah. Better to say, yeah. oh well, that didn't work out, than go, oh well, what if? I wish I'd done that. You know, is that yeah. I talk about a lot in coaching the deathbed analogy. It's a bit morbid, but sometimes we need it. <laughs> and it's like when you're on your deathbed, what are you going to look back at your life and wish you'd done? What it's going to be the people that you've loved, the people you've got memories with. It'll be the sunsets, the sunrises, the experiences. It's not going to be staying in your comfort zone. It's not going to be, oh, I had this really great car. It's not going to be, I had these designer mm. shoes. It's going to be the people you meet, the experiences you had and what you learned along the way. That's the stuff that you're going to look back. And, you know, there's books written about it, about um, parts of care nurses that, you know, talk to the dying. It's like, what did they, they, they wish they hadn't worked so much. They wish they spent more time with loved ones. They wish they'd been a bit more fearless and done the things they wanted to do. And I think, um, yeah. you know, and I, I, it's, I seem to have talked about it quite a lot of different like um, coaching sessions and leadership development sessions. It's like deathbed analogy. So it's morbid. But actually, if you're struggling with a decision, you're on your deathbed and you're looking back. What is it that you're going to want to look back and say that you did and you, you spent your time yeah. with? Yeah, it's it's so true. And, um, you know, I wouldn't want to have to get to any point in my life and regret that I didn't do something, you know, um, it, everything's a challenge. I, I wouldn't do it if it was, if it was easy, like going on the West Island way, going, uh, hiking in mountains, you know, you don't do it because it's easy. You do it because it's a challenge and you, because you're going to learn something from it and because it's going to be an experience, mm. you know, type two fun, um, type two, f- type two fun. Yeah, that's it. If it was, if it was all type one fun, then, you know, what is there to look back yeah, on? Exactly. You know? Yeah, exactly. The, the type two funds where you learn yeah. as well, isn't it? That's the way you really, you really learn something, and you're like, oh, I don't want to be in this situation again. But when you get back, you yeah. love it, and you, you you're probably planning your next. Yeah, one. it's that it's that building that grit. <laughs> yeah, you definitely type two fund. You'll definitely have moments when you do it. Going, what? <laughs> Why? <laughs> and then, like you said, you get you finish it, and you're like, oh, what's next? <laughs> what's next? Yeah, and you always laugh about it more. I find. Yeah. Definitely, yeah, definitely, definitely. But um, you know, it's been absolutely fantastic chatting with you, Louisa. Um, it's been a great laugh, and you know, I wish you all the best with your poetry and the book that might come throughout Windsor. <laughs> um, and I wish you all the luck in the world with your mountain leader journey. Um, I'll be following you on Instagram, so I'll see exactly how that gets on. And if anybody else wants to follow you on Instagram, I will leave your. Uh, it's weird when you call it that isn't it an Instagram handle <laughs> sounds like using an old CB radio I'll leave your username um, on, on the show notes so that people can follow you as well um, and we'll get you a uh, we'll, we'll give you a shout out on this uh, the Poetry by the Water is that yeah, what it's called Poetry by the Water right? yeah poetry, poetry by the Water so is it the 6th of yeah, September that's right. yeah that's right, right? yeah yeah so 6th of September you can you can get the tickets via your instagram yeah, bio yeah. link um and and go and go and join in the fun with that um but other than that thank you very much i really appreciate uh, your time this evening and it's been it's been a lovely chat well, thank you. you it's been a blast thank you so much for having me i really appreciate it and and the shout out to the event and also if you want some qmds give me a shout next time you're up in the lakes well you know the, the offers keep coming in left right and center um but yeah i, I I'd happily take you up on that, and um, I've, I keep meaning to uh, message Ben again, actually, because I know he's he's changed his focus on what he's doing at the moment. Um, but 
it, I've always said, you know, if I want to go get some nav training, I'll be contacting Ben. Yeah, definitely. well worth it. And he, um, get him. I'm gonna I'm gonna message him now. Actually, be like you need to get on this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> tell him, tell him we've uh, we've g'd it up now. We've spoke about it. It's going out live. His name is all over it that he's coming on the podcast. He's got, he'll have yeah, no choice yeah. Then, obviously, <laughs> just like hound him until he does it. <laughs> <laughs> Right, well, thank you very much and uh, enjoy the rest of your summer as well. Thank you so much for listening. Louisa has a great energy about her and I really enjoyed our chat. Check out the show notes to follow her on Instagram and to get booked onto the Poetry by the Water event on the 6th of September. If you're not already doing so, please follow Summit to Talk About on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter and now TikTok. There, you can keep up to date with what's going on behind the scenes and follow my silly outdoors escapades. Until next time, keep putting one foot in front of the other and get outside as much as you can. Take care.